Hey, this is David Greenwald. This is Domson Nicola. And this is Pretty Little Grown Men, the Podfectionists. So this was episode, we're a week behind, I should say. Uh, couldn't, couldn't pod last week, so this is a catch-up episode. Uh, we watched episode five just now of Pretty Little Liars, The Perfectionists, and we are going to do episode six right after this. But I thought we should come in fresh and not get yeah. any spoilers on the next episode so we could like you know have have uh sillier ideas which in like <laughs> 10 minutes from now we'll be like oh no we're wrong um dave i have a I have a very important question to ask you uh which golden girls girl are you you know i haven't watched enough golden girls to tell you okay that. i then let me let me let me see if i can think for for you i think that i would like to be um Let's see. I'm probably a Dorothy, although I'd probably want to be a Blanche. What's keeping you from being a Blanche? Uh, I don't have enough confidence in myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and of course, we're we're talking about Golden Girls because that was like the one joke in the whole episode uh, was Dylan sneaks watching Golden Girls on his phone in the shower. Mm-hmm. Which it's like, why does he have to? Does he? Is it because when he's not in the shower, he feels guilty, like he should be practicing? Got to be practicing and getting nerve damage. Yeah, <laughs> he's dedicated. So that's that's a big question uh, we can ask ourselves. Um, in an otherwise, I think pretty straightforward episode. Um, I was trying to think of like things that we could talk about, and I, I don't know. You're just like, nah. well, I mean, so I, okay, so uh, this episode, let's just walk through it. This episode. Well, I was gonna opens. hold on. I was gonna ask you yes. when, when the. Uh, so to skip ahead to the part where, uh, Dylan is, is, uh, um, uh, auditioning. Celloing. Celloing, uh, for some, something. I don't even know what he's auditioning for. Yeah. It's not clear. It's just like, oh, it's my big audition. It's my big audition in the middle of the fucking night. For some reason. Yeah. Um, I don't know how these things work. So is, is, so the, the, the shaking hand thing, that's nerve damage. That isn't, uh, nerves because his life is falling apart and slipping away from him i think it could be either i think it could be either. he's got a lot of, he, i mean everyone's got a lot going on if there's something we can pull from this episode it's that everyone's got a lot going on yeah everyone is kind of on the verge everyone's basically having a meltdown in this episode halfway through the season mm-hmm. which is nice because it ties to our our theme of perfectionism and when you can't be perfect, you know, what happens? Well, you, you fall apart. You can't handle it. You know, you get to the breaking point. Mm-hmm. What, did, what, what was your overall impression of this episode? Um, this episode was good. There were some silly parts, but I thought it did a good job of creating drama between the perfectionists and just kind of maintaining the surreal, like, the quality that the show has of trying not to take itself too seriously mm-hmm. versus PLL. I mean, the whole sequence with Mona and the mystery janitor who is like, has this whole weirdo backstory and sort of knows everything. And is Mona's just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with this. I totally believe this guy. Okay. That's fine. Do you think that she took that peanut brittle? Did she? Did is there? Are you? What's? What are you saying about the peanut brittle? Do you think that she took it? She yeah, she ate some. I mean, we never saw her actually take it. Oh okay. 
I thought he, he just offered it to her multiple times, and she I gave him. She, the... I thought she had some. Yeah, the peanut brittle thing. I don't know. There's. Just I would take these... that peanut brittle automatically. Peanut there's... brittle is good. Yeah, right. Even if it's like you know some uh, <laughs> weirdo uh, janitor stalker guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the show has been doing a lot of these. I mean, that to me was just like intentionally silly, intentionally weird, right? Just like a way of <clears throat> doing something. Outland, like purposefully outlandish instead of being like, I don't know, creating some like super dark mystery about who is this character, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, you know, making it a little bit more lighthearted than here's the psychic lady that Allie talked to. And here, <laughs> or here, you know what I mean? Like, this is certainly one of the more offbeat uh, characters that they've brought in to be this character who's important for like two episodes and then goes away. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it is uh, important to um, be fully aware at all times of the weird tones that, that this show is, is balancing. And I think it's still finding its way. And yeah. it, might, it doesn't feel like it's going to settle on anything, but there is a little like the underlying thing of it to me beyond the sort of, you know, idea of like uh, young people having feelings in a dramatic <laughs> way. Uh, there is the underlying sense of like, let's have it be a little bit silly. Let's try and enjoy ourselves here. Well, yeah, I mean, there's like they're making a lot of irrational decisions. Oh, sorry, we're 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 recording at 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 my house, and that's my dog Gilbert. There's dogs here. He's he's got a little something stuck in his throat. Do you oh. want to say hi, buddy? <laughs> well he smelled the microphone so that's you know he said hello um but i mean yeah like it's you know like uh um two things really stood out which you know you can sit you can sit here and sort of yell at the tv screen all you want and it's not going to change the tones but uh caitlin hitting mason over the head with a uh a, a fireplace poker right um which is like that's probably the worst decision you, decision you could have made even if that was like all you were trying to do was get his phone like and you fucking brained him with a with a with a fire implement um like and then also uh when Ava meets up with um detective uh Dana Booker or right. form, former detective former right. FBI agent Dana Booker and Dana is basically just like you have two choices. You can either give me that bag, or uh, you can um, uh, tell me who killed, which one of your friends killed Nolan Hotchkiss. And you were right. Like it's just like you don't have to do shit. She's not a cop anymore. She states that she's not a cop, and so therefore she doesn't have any of the protection of the law. So don't give her the fucking bag. And obviously Ava gave her the bag because there's nothing in it, and it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, uh, taunting her, but. These kind of irrational situations that you just have to sort of accept uh, that don't wherein the characters don't seem to be making decisions that have any sort of like uh, realistic consequences. You know, like Kate, like Caitlin's going to have to deal with the fact that she fucking smacked Mason in the head with a tire and iron or with a with a with a fire poker. And like, and also, it's just like she doesn't know how to hit somebody and not possibly kill them. Right. I mean, this is I brought this up during the commercial break because we're watching on Hulu, which has commercials. Total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Dom, I guess I should chip in another three bucks so we can get the commercial three, the commercial free <laughs> version on your on your Hulu. No, I refuse. I'm too cheap. Which we're sharing. Uh, but yeah, it's like you know, 
my first thought when that happens is, you know, if you're going to hit somebody in the head and have them bleed out, like you might actually murder somebody. I would be concerned about trying to knock somebody out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as she like, she, she takes his phone and panics and runs away. And it's like, how would you not tie him up and call your friends and be like, listen, I tied him up. This isn't going to work out. Just come back and we'll, uh, you can hack his phone and we'll see what he has to say. Well, how come no one is like, didn't we just leave the cabin and we decided that he wasn't coming? Did you like, then like no one's questioning how he ended up at the cabin and then how Caitlin got his phone. Right. Although I guess they're assuming that when he sh- that when he showed up for whatever reason, she drugged him. Right. Oh, I mean that's fine. I'm I'm unbothered by that by that uh, logical leap. <laughs> I, uh, they worked it out. No, this is the one logical leap that I must uh, focus on. Um, it's. Uh, but yeah, I think that like that's you know I, I'm not and I'm not necessarily criticizing these like these weird tones that it's balancing, but I do think that it's you know I mean maybe I'm just accepting it because that's how Pretty Little Liars became is is just very hyper stylized and a lot of things don't need to necessarily make sense. Right. I mean, it's I, the whole you have to watch the whole thing as I think a little bit of delirious, and I think that's maybe touched on when Mona tells Allison, like this could be Rosewood or this could be like Rosewood. It could be just as bad and, and creepy. Mm-hmm. And this is her conclusion after having a conversation with like a janitor who her algorithm or who like an algorithm found. And this is what she's like, yes, this is going to really turn my opinion on how everything works based on talking to this guy who was found by a computer program, you know, and this is, this is all of this is sort of, again, hovering over the fact that she has been working with the secret organization monitoring everyone. Mm -hmm. So the whole situation of like what Mona is doing and the authenticity of it remains like a super suspect element of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I think that I'm fully, I'm fully embracing, or at least um, on board, um, or maybe just keyed into this idea that, like, if you, um, if you are uh, looking to find sense in the fact that, like, you know, this super elite school that has its own weird uh, Big Brother type. Um, security system where somehow cops aren't involved just exemplifies and heightens the sense of this being a very self-contained world you know then I think that like you can sort of move forward embracing the show as a very dreamy just like a a dream like sort of just I mean you don't even have to say it's a dream logic it's just it's just it's it's a surreal it's a fictional world. It's a surreal self-contained world, which in many ways can be a comment on the genres that I think that it's attempting to explore, you know, to varying degrees of success. But um, if you think of thrillers, Hitchcock, if you think of Hitchcock or even Bergman thrillers, uh, slashers, you're ta- you're thinking about like self-contained worlds that have usually have their own sort of sense of of logic to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you think about the show as a, as like a, a soap opera thriller within a very self contained world, yeah, I mean, this is not. I think this is not a gritty <clears throat> drama, and it's not really camp either. 
No. That I think is where it's not camp. No. That I think is where the the show feels enjoyable but uneven. Where you, first of all, you have these characters left over from this previous show, and it is essentially just a sequel series to that show mm-hmm. uh, with a slightly different tone. And so you're trying to figure out how much of the sort of Pretty Little Liars slasher stuff, you know, am I supposed to be expecting or whatever here? And there are touches of that, but way less than, um, you know, probably the, the noir stuff or the, 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 just the soap opera elements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the flashbacks to Ava's dad, you know, in, in like the soft focus and everything are very just like, I mean, this is just straight soap opera mm-hmm. flashback, you know, which is fine. That's not a critique, but it's just like, right. that's, that's what it is. That's the style. Right. I, I think the one thing that's kind of interesting about these characters, uh, is that they don't, you know, granted the liars got better at being the liars the longer the show went on, but right. they seem so inept with most of what they're doing. Right. Which is sort of funny though. Yeah. I mean, that to me is part of like the the camp or the um, the like wink of the show is mm-hmm. that they are they're perfectionists and they're supposed to be these super competent people but it's like yeah they're bad at like trying to solve crimes or whatever because <laughs> why would they be good at it right you know and then when Caitlin so you know um, obviously we're skipping around we're not really recapping this beat by beat but the end of the episode ends with Caitlin being nailed pretty hard like if if the if the speed of the camera approaching her is any uh, indication she got hit pretty hard by a car um a classic pll move yeah <laughs> um and uh you know they're both like dylan's calling 911 and ava is just like belligerently yelling which it's like Dylan's trying Help. to talk to this person on the call. Help. Yeah, and they're in the middle of nowhere on purpose. But is he even, I mean, in the universe of the show, is he even calling 911 or is he calling like campus paramedics or whatever? Beacon, yeah. Right? The, like, yeah. The beacon, beacon paramedic. Beacon 911 because there's not even, like, there are no cops. We know, you know, like, who's right. who's going to come to solve this problem? Well, Ava, and then Ava just starts screaming, like, someone help us, someone. And then, and then at some point, she just breaks down. She's like, what is even going on? It's like... Which, I mean, that's a fair assessment. Well, right, that exactly. That's, she, she is losing control. And I think that that's, you know, I don't, I don't know how deeply this show wants to explore that. But obviously, yeah, like, the whole point is that you, pu- you push these characters who are disciplined, regimented, so-called perfectionists and you push them until they break right i mean that is what to me that this episode is about and what the show is becoming about it's like what does it take to crack people Mm -hmm. and then how do they recover how do they move past that you know is it through friendship is it through solidarity like what is it going to take i mean that would be like a nice uh like finding community support would be like a nice answer to how do you handle this situation right i don't know if that's what the show is going to get to but I think setting up the reveals of the various secrets, like we find out the other perfectionists find out about Dylan and Nolan tonight and, you know, kind of, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a little fizzy water action over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically handle that a lot more quickly than the revelations of uh, Caitlin being the rat. Right. Yeah. And it's just like the show trying to say, okay, let's give them a, like an episode and a half of, 
of uh, dramatic argument and yelling at each other and have that scene be the cold open. And then let's, you know, have them sort of forgive the, forgive each other and move on. Cause they're going to realize that they need each other the, to, to hit more people in the head. The reveal that Kaylin is, is a rat. And we mentioned this while we were watching it is just so dumb. It's so anticlimactic because the whole, the whole, the whole basis of her being the rat is that she, what mentioned to who did, what did she, she, she somehow leaked the idea that um, Ava is Ava. And so therefore Ava was unable to uh, reveal uh, how she felt about her dad in the way that she wanted to. Yeah. Dylan really gets very self-righteous about uh, how Ava didn't get to speak her truth about her dad, like doing crimes. I mean, like it was not really, it, it was very a uh, misplaced uh, aggression. I think even overlooking the fact that it's really hard to care about a extremely rich, uh, young, beautiful woman who doesn't get to be extremely rich in the public eye the way that she wants to. I mean, it's, it's hard to really dig deep and feel bad about that. Uh, at the same time where it's just like, it's like what you said. It's like the people were eventually going to find out very easily. Like, if, well, yeah, all you have to do is Google. It's like, do people at this college not have Facebook? Like, is no one going to be able? To, she she doesn't have any social media, and no one's going to be able to figure out. Like, hmm, let's Google this person, and maybe you're going to. I don't know. Just the whole concept that she was going to like be see a secret person at this college, and no one was going to know who she was. And this was. is supposed to be this. It's not like witness protection. It's the super right. Exactly. It's supposed to be this super duper small exclusive. A liberal arts school where apparently every every person in a certain graduating class is in like one English class with Allie. Uh, like it's and everybody's th- been filtered through like Mona's crazy algorithm. Right. There's yeah, the no whole, way that people would not be able to easily find out. Yeah, the whole that premise. Is who she is. This is definitely, I think, one of the weaker points of the show, and especially because we didn't really get to see her again. This was like a whole dr- dramatic thing about a. a, a something that happened in the past that we didn't get to see on screen right that we didn't even really have a concept of was a thing so it feels like there's just not any dramatic weight to it and i you know give uh sophia a lot of credit for being you know a really strong actress on the show and i think being probably the most compelling of the three Mm -hmm. but you know that's just a pretty sloppy storyline to me well i mean i think that you know what what needs in order to make some of this uh, stuff with her dad more compelling, I really do think that we need to figure out why Dana Booker is so obsessed with right. this case. And we do find out because she confronts Mona and Mona's like, oh, but you got fired from the FBI because you did crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of her obsession, her obsession with, uh, with Ava's dad. But so it's like, so if you want some emotional weight there, then let's find out like why she's so obsessed. I have a feeling that's not going to be really be explored, right? Or, or yeah, because you need not. some sort of like open antagonist. You have the secret antagonist who killed Nolan, and then you need this open antagonist who right. drives them to these extremes. Which it's that's fine, you know. I can we we gripe about uh, this character Dana Booker who is just like. I'm just, I, I'm just I incredulous like towards this. It makes, it's not, I've embraced the nonsensicalness yeah. of it, you know, because she is a good, she is a good character. She is pushing these actors and she does have her own, you know, issues of 
I mean, you could tie her into, she has her own mode of perfectionism, right? Like she's trying to solve this case, She's but she's fixated. She's not actually really seeing the evidence. Right. She just has, she's going with her, with her gut and not doing, and taking short, excuse me again, taking, <laughs> taking shortcuts. We should, you know, if we did editing on this show, we could cut out. <laughs> no, my, leave it all in. We could cut out my two. Doing it live. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. We're just, we're, we got to do another podcast after. Do this, it live. So we're just going to, we're just going to keep winging it here. Um, we should talk about um, Taylor and Allie. Sure. Yeah. What did you think of the Taylor situation and her her story and so on? I mean, it's 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 fine. This I think this is the the whole act of drawing parallels that this that this new series is doing so well. Um, I mean, we learned that basically uh, Mrs. Hodgkiss had an idea that Allie. I mean, it, it, this is gonna. It's it sounds ludicrous when you actually explain it, and it sounded kind of ludicrous when Taylor was explaining it, which is that the algorithm, assumingly Mona's algorithm, right? This to me is very suggestive that Mona is not Allie's friend, right? Mona's doing her own has her own game here. Like Mona knew, so Mona's algorithm deduced that <laughs> that Allie and Taylor are so similar. That Mrs. Hodgkiss could correctly assume that Allie would discover uh, where Taylor is hiding if, in fact, Taylor is alive. Right. <laughs> Which is just... as, as opposed to, well, let me just hire a couple of private detectives. Right. And see if I can, you know, figure this out. Which, how, so how, like, it's almost like a chicken and the egg thing. Because, like, how did... It's such a soap opera. And I guess it feels pretty noiry. Right, like you were the right. only person who blah 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 blah. You know. Oh yeah, it's like this, like yeah, that like shifting identities and and uh, and sort of absorbing other people's like, uh, yeah. It is. People, it is pretty. Just somebody finding themselves in this situation where someone else has decided that they need to play some crucial role, or you know, right? Where it's not actually how you would go about doing solving this problem in real life, but it's a vehicle to get this character into a situation well right and it's so it's like but i what i don't get is that then so then so does mrs hodgkiss know who, who we think is bad right right we think but, she's uh, like running the which apparently state. like i don't know like ali i always thought that ali like had a grip on things and that she was kind of like uh, playing coy with everybody but, but she Allie, really misreads mrs hodgkiss yeah. who was like to me, clearly, like, I, th- I thought it was pretty clear in the acting that she's lying to Allie. That she doesn't right. actually believe that her daughter is... Or she has a hunch that her daughter is still alive. Well, just in the room where they're, you know, when she's in her room and she's talking about how, oh, Taylor's couldn't handle the pressure, da-da-da. Yeah. I mean, it seemed pretty clear to me that she was being misleading or not giving a full representation of her daughter, right? Like it seemed to me like the acting was trying to intent to show you that she was lying to Allie. Right. And Allie doesn't pick up on that at all. Well, the, the oddness of it, besides that Mona apparently created an algorithm that, that did all this is that Mona. So Allie got this job because of Mona. Did Mona, did Mrs. Hodgkiss come to Mona and say like, I need you to find somebody who can find my daughter and Mona's like, I got the person for you. Right. Right. And I don't think the show is going to give us 
an answer like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's going to do that. I think it's going <laughs> to give us what we heard tonight that mm, the algorithm found you because whatever. But like the fact that Mona wrote it and it finds Allie like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so, not coincidental. Wait, so why? Maybe this is something I just missed, but why? Why did Hagedorn, the cleaning, uh, the land, landscape cleaning guy, why? Uh, why did he tell Mona that Allie shouldn't bring Taylor back to Allie's house because people are watching and they know that bringing her out of hiding is dangerous? I I guess so. I mean, that whole situation was like, you know you have this character who supposedly knows all this stuff, but doesn't seems like kind of a conspiracy nut. Mm -hmm. And you know, that scene was, I mean, again, just like a very like surreal scene. And I'm not sure what we were supposed to take away from it. No. And you know, and then, I mean, but there's still like, I mean, it just feels, this all feels so familiar. Like there, you like, there are a lot of moving parts and they start to come together, and you really hope that in the end, they're all going to have their answers. But right. you know, some of them might be like the the nursing attendant at uh, at uh, the insane asylum who disappears, and we don't know why. Right, right. Um, That's uh, true. There was uh, they did bring up Alex and Mary Drake. They did. That was nice. Which is a good question uh, that Dana Booker asks Mona, which is, do you think that they're going to come looking for you. And I think that's a valid question. Yeah. I mean, Mona's like using her real name at this. Although, right. you know, we're in this weird mystery bubble college where the police are not allowed. So, uh, yeah. and nobody's supposed to know who Ava is because you can't get on Google. No one can use Google except for Caitlin. Right. Uh, so there is sort of like a weird veneer of this place is isolated and it's special and, you know, it sort of exists in its own situation but yeah you would think mona would be extremely concerned that the uh maniacs who she held prisoner would come after who her have proven and, that who have murdered and have proven that they are more than capable of murdering right like literally serial killers yeah uh yeah i would be very concerned if i were mona but i think that was this mention was just to remind us that this stuff exists and not to foreshadow Mm-hmm. It, certainly for this season no no um but mona did uh mona mona doesn't seem concerned about that at all what she does seem concerned about is that her chess boyfriend never showed up that's true bad bishop bad bishop disappointing for mona um, which do you think the bad bishop did show up but saw that mona was sitting with dana booker and turned around and left right uh who knows i'm willing to find out in the next episode so so ultimately we're left with questions who is bad bishop who killed nolan probably wasn't mason but then who would want nolan killed if it wasn't mason right and i sort of don't care i mean that's (laughs) that's the thing it's like i'm pretty much just interested in ali and mona doing scenes together and like what's going on with taylor and the like weird surveillance conspiracy yeah i'm not really that interested in like who's doing a stuff to the perfectionist and who killed Nolan. And if any of these things are tied together or not, you know, I mean, there aren't really like, that's the thing is like, if, if there is a so-called a, and that person is the person who killed Nolan, they're not really doing much because the a stuff in this episode was just Dana Booker trying to fuck with Ava. Right. Well, and the, um, do you think the photo in the slideshow 
of of Dylan and Nolan was Dana, or do you think that oh, was? Oh, I guess that. Do was, you think that was our A? That was our, our A, a person. proxy. Yeah, but that was also just like I mean, okay. That was one thing, but you, that, yeah, you revealed the secret and cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I what mean, what was the goal of doing that? You know, just to drive them apart, I guess, or yeah. to. I mean, like that's the that wasn't that. I mean, not to harp on this, but that's kind of the ultimate failing of Pretty Little Liars revealing who A is, where it's hard to believe. Like, no matter what you think about uh, Charlotte and Alex and and even Mona when Mona was A, you had to always question, and I don't think the show ever did a great job of explaining why someone like Charlotte, for example, would want to fuck with the liars, right? And I think in this case, it's just like, why, like, why, why is this person fucking with them? Right. Like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. You know, they didn't do anything besides just get manipulated by Nolan. Right. Well, and that's, yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's why, you know, something that I feel like I talked about a lot in watching PLL, like hoping that some of the mythology or some of the storylines would pay off a little more was like, what if there's a broader conspiracy? What if it's not really about the liars at all? And that is basically what it ended up being, that it was just like this family drama that really had nothing to do with them, but because they were attached to Allie or, or you know, Spencer, they, I mean, the Spencer stuff obviously later on, but it was just because they happened to be there and they were bystanders. Mm-hmm. And so they became part of someone's, uh, you know, someone's like someone's uh villainy yeah villain schemes basically like just for fun just because right. you know so ultimately like it's it's a relatively random thing and that's sort of what this feels like unless one of the perfectionists killed nolan which feels increasingly unlikely every episode but right. uh you know i'm i guess we'll see what happens and and really it's like what um I mean, what's the purpose behind the beacon security system? Like, I don't know. What I mean, are we going to find out that some that like the college was sub like that? This is like a test. Is it a, yeah, is it a test case? Yeah, or, I think I think we should continue on to the next episode, and we can come right back to these questions. And see, <laughs> if we, see if we have 10% more answers. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to watch the next episode. Uh, just, just to recap. So we get all the information on, uh, this episode was called the patchwork girl. I don't know why it was called that. The, uh, it's an Oz book. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. The patchwork girl of Oz. Okay. Well then there you go. Um, what do you think that that represents in this? Ooh, well, I don't remember what happens in the story. Uh, but obviously you have this character who is stitched together uh, who is not a sort of, let's say, fully formed, someone who has all these different parts, right? And mm-hmm. who is not like this sort of pure, perfect uh, creation, mm. but instead is a patchwork. And I don't know what the commentary on that is with regard to Taylor, if she saw herself as not fitting in to her family, mm-hmm. not being able to live up to what it meant to be a Hotchkiss, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, maybe that's the connection. Well, the story that she tells Allie about, you know, watching the uh, meteor shower or whatever, falling stars or something. Right. Um, I mean, she gives the impression that she that that she she comes from a loving family, which right. is hard to believe. Right. Um, and then, 
you know, and and Allie, of course, eats it up because apparently Allie is gullible when the story needs her to be gullible. Right. Um, And uh, then brings her back and Taylor is all like seemingly not making, not being as cautious as she should be. And then, of course... She disappears at the end of the Well, and she doesn't tell Allie anything at all about the, like, surveillance conspiracy. Right. And, you know, again, she's, like, tapped into Beacon Guard. She has her computer. She's doing that whole situation. And she doesn't get into any of that stuff with Allie. So there's a lot of uh, silence and secrets happening between the sort of satellite characters in this episode, even as the perfectionists get closer to knowing all the secrets of their own. Which is interesting. Do you think Taylor ran Caitlin over? Um, no. I mean, it would, it, time-wise, it makes sense. Yes. Who ran? Like, I just like I'm I getting that feeling. It's just like the, I'm disinterested. Whoever killed Nolan, and like for example, just ran Caitlin over. Like the possibilities are not intriguing or compelling. Right. Because it, well, because it doesn't make sense if it was one of. I mean, it couldn't have been one of the perfectionists, obviously, who ran Caitlin over. But like, it doesn't make sense that any of the perfectionists or Mona or Allie killed Nolan. So, and I don't know. It'd be it'd be pretty stupid if Mona killed Nolan, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It would be. So it'd have to be like Mason or Taylor or or. Yeah, I mean, maybe Taylor killed Nolan. Maybe Taylor's bad. Yeah, that could be. Well, uh, until five minutes from now, when you put on the next episode of this podcast. Oh, if you like this one, you can star us on iTunes. You can talk to yeah, us. Yeah, we on, should treat this like an actual episode. You, you <laughs> can talk to us on Twitter at PLGM Podcast. Yeah. And um, there will be another episode of the. Well, if you're listening at home, uh, coming to this in future years. We're going to watch the next episode now, so the next one will be very fresh. Yeah. Yeah, binge us, bitches. Keeping. I know what you're keeping. I know what you're keeping. Swore.